Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. Number 13, Bobby's not here. Who wants to speak up? Oh, it's exciting. It's right. That's right. It's called Charismatic Chaos, the untold history of the charismatic movement. Now, if you've been tracking with us, we've seen already an intro and a slash disclaimer. Once again, I'm not saying everybody who goes to a charismatic church or with a charismatic background is involved in an occult or a cult. Okay, but unfortunately, there's so much stuff coming out of it that's not good. We need to deal with it, certainly in the last days. Then we saw that when it comes to the charismatic movement, it's nothing new. Old-fashioned Montanism has been around for a while. It's just been repackaged in these last days. And as far as speaking in gibberish, that's nothing new. The occults and, and, and entities, New Age, Hinduism, Spiritism, African Spiritism, they, they do the same thing. That's nothing new. And then we began to deal with the real gifts, the spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible. We looked at last time four different questions. When do you get the gifts at salvation the holy spirit permanent indwelling right who gives them the holy spirit right so you can jump up and down hoop and holler take a class have somebody instruct you how to doesn't matter he's the one in charge right and then we saw the issue uh, of about how do you identify now that's where we said you can pray what a concept right ask god i think he might want you to know Okay, but are we even asking? Uh, it's self-evident sometimes. You've got to explore, try some things out, right? Uh, and uh, sometimes the, the gifts need to be equipped. It takes some time, like the gift of teaching, etc. Then we left off on, okay, well, what are the gifts? And we saw the different passages there dealing with the different gifts. Okay, so, uh, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Uh, we dealt with that aspect. We took a look at the first gift as, as far as we got, and that was the gift of prophecy, if you guys remember that. Okay, and the gift of prophecy uh, was not declaring a new word. It's not foretelling the future, prophetia in the Greek there. Okay, like you're some crystal ball or whatever. It is simply declaring God's revealed truth. Now, where has God revealed his truth for us? Right here in the scripture. So who would be a person who has the gift of legitimate prophecy today? Be a pastor or somebody who's teaching the Bible from uh, the Bible, okay? <laughs> okay, God's already declared word, okay? Now, that's the problem we saw with the charismatic movement, right? There's two different positions when it comes to the gifts, right? Uh, they would say continuationism, basically all the gifts and, frankly, all the offices that were mentioned there, right? The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, slash teachers. It's not fivefold, it's fourfold pastor that is teacher there, they would say they continue all of them today, every last single one of them. We would be a cessationist. We would say, listen, no, there's certain offices like an apostle, like a prophet, okay, and certain gifts like the gift of languages, okay, and things of that nature that are not continuing today. Why? Because we just don't understand this new movement and spirit of God in the last days. No, Because based in the scripture, based on the context there, we see that they are not needed. That's why they were temporary. For instance, an apostle, apostle was apostolos in the Greek, right? One who was sent forth on a commission. What were the apostles commissioned to do? Go tell the people about the the new covenant that is now started with Jesus, right? Okay. And then a prophet, what's a prophet do? They go out and declare a new revelation from God. Well, do we have a new revelation now that we need to record? And do we need to go tell people about the new covenant? Uh, you know, as if it was something. No, it's all where? 
It's right here. So guess what? You don't need those anymore. And we saw that's not nothing foreign. God gave certain people certain giftings at certain times. Moses, Moses, we gave that example. The Old Testament prophets, they had certain abilities that we couldn't do today. Uh, Jesus and the apostles, okay, they had certain abilities. Why? God gave them the abilities to validate the message. Once the message was validated, that's it. You don't need it anymore. No, so it's no, nothing different. Nothing different than the biblical pattern. Right? It's not just because we're disagreeing, because we're being stubborn, okay? And, and some gifts we saw, just like the gift of languages, not gibberish, the gift of languages was actually a sign gift, a temporary sign gift, okay, to the who? So we saw it was to the, the Jews. So that gift wasn't even intended uh, for the church, per se, okay? As the Corinthians began to abuse, and one of these days we'll even get to that. But what we're going to see, the problem with the charismatic community is they say that all the gifts... And all the offices are in function today. Okay, that's where the problem lies, and that's where the difference lies. Now, not only that, as we saw last time when it came to just this first gift, the gift of prophecy, they oftentimes confuse the gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet, right? As if they're synonymous. They're not, okay, is the secondary problem that they create. Now, the problem with this, when you say that an apostle continues today, a prophet continues today, and you think that the gift of prophecy is telling something new, which it's not, then what you just did is you opened up Pandora's box to, in essence, take people away from God's word and saying, we got a new word from God. That's where the danger lies. Now, what happens is when you say that, you just open up the door to something the Bible does talk about, and specifically in the last days, and they're called false prophets, right? And Jesus said that's going to happen in a big way in the last days. Open your Bibles to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Let's take a look at what Jesus warned about and would what be on the scene in the last days, okay? Matthew 24. <clears throat> Let's take a look there. If you find Matthew, what do you do? Turn to 24. You guys are on the ball. Matthew 24, we're going to skip around a little bit just to get the whole, uh, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but you're going to see that this whole chapter has a common thread through it, amongst other details that are mentioned there. Okay, let's see if you can guess what they are. Now, let's take a look at uh, verse 3, okay? Verse 3, Matthew 24, and uh, through 5, then we're going to do 10 through 11, then we're going to do 23 through 25. But let's take a look. Verse 3, as Jesus, he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, hey, tell us. When's this going to happen? What's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, notice before Jesus ever gets into the wars, the rumors of wars, the pestilence, the famines, the earthquake, what's the first thing out of his mouth? Watch out that what? No one deceives you. There's going to be a massive mega amount of deceit in the last days. Well, where's it coming from? Well, he says, first of all, many is going to come in my name claiming claiming I am the Christ and will deceive no one because in that generation, everybody's going to know the Bible, you know, backwards and forwards and nobody can dupe them. And what's it say? Many, right? But see, you can't be fooled if you know the scripture, right? Then go down to verse 10. Now at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many what? False prophets will appear and deceive. Again, he says that how many? Many people. Well, wait a second. Everybody knows their Bible, and everybody knows that the office of an apostle and prophet doesn't continue today, and they know that the gift of prophecy was not foretelling something new, right, because they've been reading the Bible. So how could these people in these last days fall for false prophets? Because there are none. Do you see the problem that the charismatic community has opened up? 
unfortunately, just in time for the last days. Right? They open up that Pandora's box. Now, let's go down. Uh, verse 23. Now, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or, or there he is. Do not believe it. Right? For false Christ, and he says it again, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles, right? And deceive even the elect, if that were possible. I love this. See, I told you ahead of time. In other words, you ain't got no excuse. Been here for 2,000 years. I told you this is going to happen. Don't listen to these false prophets, false Christ, false teachers, people coming on the scene saying, look, look here. God, give me a vision. God, Does that sound like today or what? But we're being conditioned that this is something acceptable. Jesus said, don't you dare fall for this. Don't. Let anyone deceive you, right? Interesting, okay? And this is why we saw last time, Christians are to be very wary of those who claim to have a new message from God. Why? We don't need a new message from God. We got everything we need right there in the Bible, okay? Right? It's one thing the guy says, uh, I had an interesting dream last night. It's another thing, however, when people say, God gave me a dream or a vision or a word and you must obey it. That's a whole different issue. Listen, quote, no utterance of man should be considered equal to or above the written word of God. We must hold to the word that God has already given to us, i.e. the Bible, and commit ourselves to it. Okay? And again, that was the great cry, one of the great cries of the Reformation. The Reformation was, we ain't listening to man. We ain't listening to a church council, i.e. Catholicism. We ain't listening to the Pope. He's just a man. We're only listening to sola scriptura, the Bible alone. And we desperately need to get back to that uh, today is what he's saying. But this is the problem. And this is what is unfortunate, I think, about the charismatic church. This belief, and I would say it's an unfortunate false belief, that the office of an apostle and a, and a prophet with new revelations from supposedly from God, they're not, okay, and, and, and confusing the gift of prophecy that is foretelling the future, and that's not even what it is. It's opened up the Pandora's box. It's, it's basically fulfill, helping to fulfill prophecy in a negative way. Because if that attitude wasn't on the scene, then how are people going to fall for this? Do you get it there? Do you see what's going on? I don't think it's by chance, unfortunately. right? But what do you see today? People in the charismatic movement, they're putting down the genuine gift of prophecy. The teaching and the preaching of this book, the Bible. right? They're upplaying experience and that God told me, and haven't you gone to that conference with Apostle so-and-so and, and, and Sister Prophetess and this and all these people, and, and they got a new word from... That's what's going on. You combine that with a heavy dose of music, nothing against music, but be careful that you don't get into an altered state of consciousness. And, and, and a spirit does arrive. By the way, God's spirit never leaves, you know that. He's omnipresent and he's within you if you're a Christian. He doesn't come as if he was taking a vacation. Right? And he doesn't respond to your Indian rain dance. You know, that's the mindset. He's already here. But I do, it may very well attract another spirit, but it ain't the spirit of God. But that's what's going on today, okay, unfortunately. If the purpose of a prophet was to reveal truth from God, why do we need prophets when we've already got the completed revelation of God is the point there. If prophets were the foundation as well as apostles we saw last week, right, then, and you say they're going to continue today, does that mean we're still building on the foundation? That's the danger. But that's the extreme that these people are going today. Okay, now, let me give you some examples. The whole thing tonight is not just uh, the, this gift. Now we're dealing with the false prophets. Because these guys are flooded with false prophets. They literally believe that they are a prophet or an apostle of God. They literally believe that God is telling them to tell us something we need to obey. Some catastrophe, something, some event that only they know that God is for some new information. 
And folks, it is a bunch of baloney. Now, there's actually a group that literally call themselves the Kansas City Prophets. You know why? They came out of Kansas City. Okay, you guys don't need to be a prophet to figure that out. That's called common sense, okay? Right, now, we're probably going to have a whole study on these guys, but I'm just going to give you a little teaser of just how many false prophets are out today and the baloney that's going on in the church, and frankly, every single one, how they're being led astray from God's word. Right? But the Kansas City prophets, these are people I'm going to call out some names. Okay, and I'll justify that in a second, uh, Lord willing. Uh, men like Mike Bickle, ever heard of him? Okay, uh, Rick Joyner. Okay, Bob Jones, not the Bob Jones from uh, Bob Jones University, a different guy. Paul Kane. These guys and several others, I'm going to call it some more, they're regarded as prophets, literal prophets with a new revelation, new word from God. And again, the, the, the thing is, well, wait a second, if that was really true, then we need to write a new New Testament, which will be blasphemous. If it's a legitimate office and a legitimate gift, but again, they misunderstand the gifts, okay? But now, now let me give you some examples of these guys' behavior. <clears throat> Bob Jones, and again, this is just a little teaser, Bob Jones had to be removed from ministry when it came to light that he was using his so-called prophetic gifts to elicit sexual favors from women because God told him to tell you the here's excuse me Paul Kane's ministry was scandalized when he admitted to long-term drunkenness and homosexuality and yet up until his death this Bob Jones guy the first guy he had a thriving ministry even though he was with the, and I'll get to what he did here in just a second, okay? And on his webpage, he compares himself to the prophet Daniel. This, is not, this isn't the world, folks. This is in the so-called Protestant church. This is from the charismatic camp. They literally believe that they're just as good as the prophets of old. And we need to submit to what they say because God told them to tell us. This is where it is. And again, what Jesus said in the last days, people, how many? What was the word there? The operative? Many are falling. And man, many are falling for it today. And where's it coming from? Where's this mindset? The charismatic community. It's not by chance, folks. Now, these guys come out of what's called the apostolic prophetic movement. Okay? Uh, and uh, and uh, again, we're probably going to have a whole study just on this, but I just want to give you a teaser because our theme tonight is false prophets, right? What happens when you misunderstand the true gift of, a prophecy. What happens when you misunderstand that not all offices, apostle and prophet, are in function today? This is what you get. Right? They believe that they are a full restoration movement of the five-fold ministry. That's what we saw last time, remember? Ephesians 4, that uh, God gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Well, number one mistake, it's not a five-fold ministry, it's four. A pastor and teacher, the conjunction there ties it together. Right? Mistake number one. Mistake number two is we saw clearly, contextually, and biblically that an apostle and a prophet are not in function today. We don't need them today. Those were temporary offices. But we still have evangelists and we still have pastors who teach us. Pastor is a teacher, right? Because that is still a need today. All right? Now, <clears throat> this is also known as the third wave charismatic movement. Okay, and again, we'll get into all these terms later and stuff of that nature. But let's get back to that Kansas City province. Again, there you got guys like Mike Bickle, Paul Kane. Bob Jones, you got another guy named Bill Hammond, <clears throat> Larry Randolph, James Gull, Paul Jackson, Lou Engel. Oh, and this Kane guy, we're probably going to have a whole study once we get into the 40s and 50s and, and those guys with the, the tent revivals that were very popular in the charismatic community. But this Kane guy, he uh, got initiated by another guy named William Branham. And again, I'm just dropping names to you tonight. 
We're going to have whole studies probably on a lot of these people down the road, okay? Uh, but that was in the 50s, okay? But again, these guys, they go around and they speak at charismatic conferences and charismatic meetings and charismatic churches. And when they show up, the show begins because the prophet has arrived. You and I are taught, taught systematically the Bible. Oftentimes in the charismatic community, you don't get that. You get a little bit of peace here, a little bit of peace there. Tons and tons of music, which again, I'm not against, okay? But for what effect and what's the purpose, okay? Uh, and who you're glorifying when you're doing all this stuff, what's it all about, okay? But it's really about show. It's about emotions. And the emotions get generated either through the music or the exercising of some of these gifts that frankly aren't even in function today. Or forget all that, scrape all that aside, and let's hear from the prophet. That's what goes on. As we have ours, that's what's going on there, okay? Now, let's go back to that Mike Bickle. Let me drop another name for you. Uh, it's called IHOP, right? Mike Bickle, out of this Kansas City Prophet Group, he started what was called IHOP. Now, no, that's not the restaurant chain. That stands for the Interha- International House of Prayer, okay? And believe it or not, back when I was pastoring in New York, I had a guy who was uh, either on staff there or one of the students there. I'll explain what it is in just a second. And again, we'll probably have a whole other study on that as well. But I was pastor in New York. He called me up. He saw some videos I did on prophecy uh, on YouTube way back in that day. And uh, he says, man, these are great. He says, this is awesome. I, I think my church will like it. I said, where are you at? He said, I'm in Kansas City. He goes, have you ever, have you ever heard of IHOP? Yeah, I heard IHOP. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to ask him if they uh, will let you come here and speak. And I go... All right, go for it. Because I knew they'd say no. There's no way as soon as they find out, right? And so sure enough, it's about two weeks later. He said, I'll call you right back. But he didn't. But two weeks later, he finally did call back. And he was real sheepishly like, well, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to work out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wonder why, right? Because you're going to get the truth, right? But, uh, but anyway, basically what these, the IHOP is, they, it's called International House of Prayer. And that's the seduction, right? 24 hours a day, seven days a week praying. That's not bad right? Worship. That's not bad, right? But they pull people in and you can go to this school and this organization so that you can learn to function with all the gifts. You can become a prophet and they can teach you how. And all. Again, as we saw, even with the legitimate gifts, uh, who gives them? The Holy Spirit. When do you get them? So does somebody need to teach you? You got to go to a university? You got to pay bucks to go to their classes to learn how to? No. People are getting rich, though, off of that. They've had a staff of 1,000 people, a student body of 1,000. This is huge, this IHOP. But this comes out of that Kansas City prophets, these guys there. Now, let's go back to that Bob Jones guy. Now, there's another term you might have hear, heard of, and we'll probably, again, have other studies down the road on this. I'm just peppering you because our theme tonight, again, is false prophets, wherever I wrote that. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but Bob Jones, he's a part of what's also called the New Apostolic Reformation. Or you might have seen the acronym, of course, the NAR movement. But basically, the NAR movement is going extreme, extreme, right? And uh, again, we're going to get into that, right? But they have described him, this Bob Jones guy, they have described him as a resident, and this is the word that they use, seer. I don't know that I would choose that word. What's that sound like? Sounds getting close to witchcraft and, you know, Deuteronomy 18, what God warned about, right? And a medium and things of that nature, but that's what they. Now, let, let me let me give you a little bit of background again on this guy and what he was up to and and his what he was. God told him to tell me to tell you to do. He claimed that when he was seven years old, the archangel Gabriel appeared to him. Er, 
anybody tells that to you, run. Right? Basically, we've seen before. But that's how it always starts, because it's got to have it. Right? How many, how, did an angel appear to Muhammad, supposedly? Yeah. Did an angel appear to Joseph Smith, supposedly? Yeah. How about uh, Seventh-day Adventists and, and, and Christian science? Yeah, they always appear to that. They always say that. God told me to tell you because an angel of God. Or some people, if I can get that far, they're going to say, Jesus appeared to me personally. I don't think so, folks, because Jesus ain't coming back until the second coming. Right? Now you're going to mess up some other eschatology issues. You start saying stuff like that. Oh, and by the way, for those who say, well, that's why the rapture is not pre-trib. It's got to be at the same time as the second coming. No. First of all, it's two different events. The scripture is very clear about that. Number one, it says that we go to meet him in the clouds. He doesn't come to the earth uh, at the rapture, but he does at the second coming, two different events. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. But not only did supposedly this archangel Gabriel appear to him, but he was riding a horse and not just any horse, but a white horse. And he was blowing a double silver trumpet into Bob Jones' face, as opposed to the single trumpet, the double trumpet. Ooh. Okay, and he threw, supposedly the angel Gabriel threw an old bull skin mantle at his feet. All right. And then he said that this mantle was that of a, and they used the word again, seer prophet. Ooh. Later, he claimed that he died. This is back in 1975. But that God sent him back to minister to the church leadership and to reach the multitudes with the understanding of the spiritual gifts. You know, they're all. In function today, they would say. Hundreds of thousands of Christians have bought into this guy uh, and to the people like him. Uh, they, they call them renewal or revival movements, right? You hear the verbiage all the time. The Spirit of God is a new wave of the Spirit of God, the new movement of God. They get in with the wave. He's moving up. It's the same kind of thing. That's what they say. Now, this led to events like the Toronto Blessing. You heard of that one? Again, we'll probably have a whole study on that. Which then led to the Pensacola outpouring, supposedly. I remember that one, that one out uh, with that. And uh, basically, these people just accept what these guys say, carte blanche, no matter what. Now, obviously, quote, discerning Christians know better, and they reject people's teachings like this, Mr. Jones certainly, and the plethora of occult visions and unbiblical teachings and false prophecies. Why? Because if you read the Bible, there's an acid test, right? Uh, you can't get nothing wrong. I see, I, and then if they do, if they do something that's not of God, then you reject them, right? Open your Bibles, Deuteronomy 18. I didn't make that up. I'm not just being you know, insensitive. I'm not resisting the new movement of God. I'm just reading the Bible. So let's put you to the test. First of all, prophets are not in function today. Apostles are not in function today. The gift of prophecy is declaring what's already known of God, of his word. It's not a new word, so that's a misunderstanding. But I'll give you all that. Just let's play the little game, right? Let's go and see how we're supposed to respond to these guys uh, showing up on the scene saying that they are a prophet, right? Deuteronomy 18, verse 20 through 22, gives us clear instruction. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, God's name, anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, must be what? Woo! Now, this is what's interesting. A lot of the charismatic community and, and, and false teachers, period, they do what we've seen before, to use the term, they cherry-pick. They cherry-pick verses out of the Old Testament, and then they say they're going to apply to today, right? Well, why don't you apply that one? You want to say the gifts and function, when you get one thing wrong, we kill you. Now, I'm not recommending that, but I'm saying if you're going to be consistent in your hermeneutic and your approach to the Bible, how come you ain't bringing that one over? How come you're only just picking some of this stuff? Oh, 
Well, keep reading. It gets even more blunt. Right? You may say to yourselves, well, well how, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? Uh, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord is what? Not spoken. Why? Because God doesn't lie. He is the truth. God is holy, meaning without sin. Sin is lying. He can't lie. He can't, right? And yet you're supposed to be, God told me to tell, right? And then that prophet has spoken presumptuously, do not be afraid of him, right? So people should know better. But again, people aren't even taught that. They probably never even heard that verse, unfortunately, in these circles. Uh, otherwise, they'd walk out. They should, okay? And, uh, but uh, that's what's going on. Now, another one that this spawned out of this time frame, the Kansas City Prophets, all this stuff, was called the Vineyard Christian Movement. You guys remember that? Okay, that's another one. I'm just dropping some names uh, tonight. We'll get into this later. Okay, but Bob Jones, let me get more specific with what he did, but yet he still continued to thrive. He was removed from his ministry duties at Vineyard, okay, due to sexual misconduct. And here's what he did. He got caught, quote, encouraging women to undress in his office so they could, quote, stand naked before the Lord in order to receive a word. And yet, even after this conviction, he still continued to thrive. He's a prophet. It's crazy, right? This also went into, uh, uh, and other people supported him, many others, again, Bickle and Rick Joyner. Uh, Joyner uh, uh, and those guys, they, there's also another movement out there. Again, I'm just dropping names, just so if you want to start to get your mindset ready, or do once you get there. Uh, Ladder Rain Movement, Manifest Sons Theology. All this stuff is coming out of this baloney, folks. And it seems that each one that comes out gets even worse and worse than the previous one. Right? Because you open Pandora's box. Okay? But this is basically just some of that stuff that's going there. Now, the problem is with this. Well, wait a second. Um, if you say that this stuff continues, right, and it doesn't, then again, is it any wonder what did Jesus say would happen in the last days? I'm going to warn you about false prophets. Again, if people stuck to the Bible... Jesus wouldn't give, give that warning. But obviously he knows what people are going to do, even in the church, right? So they're falling for it. Number two, when you come across people who historically are false prophets, wait a second, how can you say that they're a false prophet when they're doing the same thing you're doing? Now let me give you an easy example of that. Did you know there was another guy who considered himself a prophet from God? His name was Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, right? He was a seer. And remember how he was a seer? Remember, he got a word from God that got translated, supposedly, into the Book of Mormon. Remember our study on Mormonism, right? And how did he get his word from God, supposedly? He stuck a rock in a hat, stuck his head in the hat to close out all the light until the rock glowed. And then, exactly, it's witchcraft, what it was, okay? And because that was a common technique of a seer. Seer is a term for witchcraft, folks. That's something you don't, certainly don't want to be using today. But wait a second. So uh, Joseph Smith, oh, and by the way, he was guilty of being a con artist. Remember his family? He was, he was a, a money-grubbing guy, right? And, and, and he even admitted, we saw in the research, that the reason why he came up with this new revelation called the Book of Mormon was to make money. Remember that? We went, we went through all that stuff. Oh, and by the way, he too was guilty of sexual misconduct because he taught a false teaching called polygamy, right? And he was sleeping with men's wives and that's why they killed him. Mormons want to say it was some, he was a martyr and they just shot him. No, he was jumping out of a window and they shot him in the back for sleeping with their wives. 
And we saw that. But wait a second. On the one hand, I would hope and assume that the charismatic community would say, yes, Joseph Smith, he was a false prophet. You shouldn't listen to anything he said. That's not of God. Well, you're doing the same thing. So how come I reject him, but I don't reject you? Do you see the duplicity there? Also, not only that, how do you witness, what's your basis to witness to other people that are full of false teachings? For instance, we saw before, uh, the Catholics. How do you witness to a Catholic? Because a Catholic, they have four different sources of truth, not one. And see, that's some of our challenges when we witness to them, right? Because we'll sit there, well, I know, I'll show them what the Bible says. And you could quote Bible all day long. Unfortunately, typically, what do they say? Well, Pope so-and-so said... Well, the church council said, well, they had this ruling over here that said, the early church fathers, they had this decree that went out, and they said, the Marian statue that bled supposed tears, the, the, the Fatima that appeared in the sky, she spoke to people and told us. They got multiple sources of truth, right? But they're having visions that supposedly the Pope is supposed to be the vicar of Christ. And what he says is as good as this, it's like a prophet. So why do I reject Catholicism, their teaching, but yours is okay? Is it any wonder we're not there yet, obviously, but you'll see, we'll see that the charismatic movement marries and is marrying right into Catholicism because there's so much commonality with the behavior, but we're not even there yet. But why does the Catholic Church say that Mary was without sin? That's the Immaculate Conception. Why do they have a Pope? Why do they say that he's a vicar of Christ? Why do they say that when you take communion, it's the real body and real blood of Jesus Christ? Why do they teach all these false teachings? Because they don't stick with the Bible. So then if you do the same thing as a charismatic, then what do you think is going to happen to you? You're going to get flooded with a bunch of false teachings, and you can't justify it on the Bible, but it'll be your experience. Or prophet so-and-so told me, or these group of Kansas City prophets came out and they told us, here's what we need to do in these last days, the Spirit of God. You're doing the same thing. So how do you witness those folks? You lost all basis because you don't have the same foundation anymore, which is supposed to be sola scriptura, the Bible alone. Right? Uh, people today, they, go, they get into uh, Nose Herodamus. Remember him? Nostradamus? He supposedly had a word from God. He was a seer. Why do I reject his writings? He got a word supposedly from God, right? This guy who basically was using scrying, he would stare into uh, you know, a reflective surface, could be water or mirror, something like that. And then he got these visions and he wrote them down these quatrains, which is a bunch of baloney we've dealt with before, right? But how come I shouldn't listen to him? He, he's, he's got a vision. Why do we reject him? But, but, but we, don't, we, we can't reject you, right? We, there's a duplicity there. What about the Mayans? Right? The Mayans were you know, supposed to be able to predict the end of the world, which is funny. They weren't even be able to predict their own demise. But we're supposed to listen to them. Right? But, but their, what was their methodology? Their methodology was they, they were into blood sacrifice, human sacrifice, because human sacrifice, they needed blood to keep the sun going. And they were using hallucinogenic drugs. So was Nostradamus. And things, but we're supposed to listen to them over the word of God. Well, you get yourself worked up into an altered state of consciousness and you're having a hallucinogenic experience, but somehow I'm supposed to trust what comes out of your mouth? I can't question it? Why do I reject those guys, but I'm supposed to accept what you say? Something isn't adding up here. Why should I reject automatic writing? Well, why should I reject when people say, Aunt Vera appeared to me and told me that, you know, it's going to be okay. People don't, right? The, what's the big paranormal activities? The ghost shows, ghost shows. Maybe they got it right. 
Why do I reject them? Because they see a cold? Because the Bible is very clear. When a person dies, they either go to heaven or they go to hell and they ain't coming back. So that's a familiar spirit who's deceiving you. But wait a second, you said that the angel Gabriel or Daniel, we're going to see, some people say that the prophets of old appeared to them. Well, then why should I reject these guys doing the paranormal stuff? They're saying that dead people are speaking to them too. Do you see what's happening here? It's the same thing. Why should I reject new age channeling? Why should I reject what we saw before the Oracle of Delphi and all those other techniques and stuff? What's going on here? How come you're okay when you use the exact same techniques, but we need to reject those guys? Doesn't make sense. Or could we say it's all bad, including what you're doing, unfortunately? There's the consistency. Now, before I go even further, because I'm going to sh- we're going to end out on several video clips, I want you to see and hear. See with apparently your mouth. See and hear. <laughs> see and hear. Okay, what these guys are saying in this church today, it's just mind-blowing. They're getting away with it, all right? But people, and you know why they're getting away with it? Because there's another lie in the charismatic community. And they'll take out of context, touch not thine anointed. They'll use that phrase. And of course, it sounds really authoritative if you use the King James. Right, thine do, and speak British too. That could help, right? What do you mean, touch not thine anointed? Well, basically what they're saying is you have no right to tell me that I'm wrong. And whatever you do, you should never name call. You're just causing division in the body of Christ. No, I'm not. In fact, if you read the Bible, the Bible repeatedly calls people out by name. Specifically when they're teaching false teachers and causing destruction in the church. Let me give you a couple of them. Hymenaeus and Alexander. Paul called them out by name. They're recorded for us in Scripture, in public, to the church. Oh, and he wrote it in a letter to the church that was circulating around the church. Why? Because he wanted the church to know who these people were by name and what they were up to to protect the church. That's why these guys get to continue to go on. Because we've fallen for the lie. Well, I guess I can't name somebody. And somehow we tipped, well, there's some guy out there doing this thing. And then if someday you were to come across something of this guy, and then if you realize it, then stay away from it. No, his name was Hymenaeus and Alexander, and here's what they were teaching was false. This is what Paul did. Hymenaeus and Alexander, they were, Paul said they were shipwrecking the faith. And he even said this, listen, he handed them over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. That's some strong words. He also called out another one, a third one, Philetus. Right? To the church, another false teacher. That was 2 Timothy 2, the first one, 1 Timothy uh, 1. Okay, and by the way, the idea, the contextually shipwreck of faith means they had drifted into the dangerous rocks of false teaching. And they were teaching false teaching. They were doing it in the church. So Paul called them out by name. Oh, he's not the only one. John, right? Remember that other portion of the Bible? That uh, you're going like, man, I really don't have much time to... uh, get into the scripture today and but i really feel like i need to read to need to read to need a whole book or something to feel spiritual about myself so you always go to third john right because that one's just whoop, a little short today right but if you actually i know you're out there <laughs> but 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 if you actually read that book what's he he calls out a guy john not just paul john calls out diotrephes by name to the church and his name along with hymenaeus alexander philetus have been recorded for us for two thousand years 
It's not wrong. It's everything's right. If these people are doing something wrong, you need to call them out by name, not through some spiritual osmosis that maybe somehow, some way, somebody can figure out who you're talking about. No, call them out. That's why these guys get to do what they're doing today. But he wrote in John, uh, third John, to his friend Gaius, and he's talked about uh, Diotrephes, who loves to be first. Listen, he says, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense. He's putting people out of the church because they aren't doing what he wants them to do. That's what these guys are doing today. But John called him out. Oh, Jesus, Matthew 23. What's Matthew 23 about? Jesus is calling out in public the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Uh, and I'll just, let me just hit some highlights for you. I'm not going to read the whole chapter for you. But man, is this blunt? right? Oh, and by the way, this is Matthew 23. Right before he says, don't let anyone deceive you. Who do you call out first? The false teachers. Don't let them deceive you. But before I even mention that, let me deal with those guys first. By name, in public. It says here, then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples. So where's he at? In the public arena. And he called out the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He says, everything they do is done for people to see. Woe to you, teach. I'm just hitting some highlights. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you've succeeded, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. That's from Jesus. Right? He says, woe to you, blind guy. Oh, by the way, he's using the exclamation point. So I don't think he was whispering this. And he probably didn't do it in that cool British voice you see on TV. Oh, ye brood of vipers. Right, right, right. No, he wasn't doing that, right? No, you blind guides, you blind men, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You're like whitewashed tombs. You're full of dead man's bones, everything unclean. You're full of uh, hypocrisy and wickedness. You hypocrites, you've taken part in shedding blood. You snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape from being condemned to hell? That's from Jesus. So don't tell us that we can't call you out by name because guess what? The Bible says contrary. You know what? I'm going to listen to the Bible, not you. I'm not here to be mean, but what you're teaching is false. It's leading people astray. It's full of false teachings. It's full of immoral behavior. And it's leading people away from the word of God. And so as Christians, as a church, and certainly somebody who is teaching the word of God, as a pastor or whoever, it is your job and your ministry to love the people enough to call these people out and teach the truth. You have to. Don't be namby-pamby about it, right? Now, let me get into, with all that said, do some name-calling. Now, the first guy I'm going to call out, and again, what's the theme? False prophets. People say, God told me to tell you. And what's the Bible say, Deuteronomy 18? Don't be afraid of these guys. If what they say doesn't come to pass, reject them. And of course, back then, it was even a harsh punishment, right? You don't have to be afraid, right? It's okay, just deal with it. But the first guy I'm going to call out, is Pat Robertson. Unfortunately, he's got quite the following because he's got a big Christian program. All right, but here's just one easy, unfortunate example of him saying, God told me to tell you. And by the way, the lost watch this. Right? But let's see if he got this prophecy right. Let's take a look at this one. He's going to win. Romney will win. Do you believe that? I absolutely believe that. What makes you believe that? Because the Lord told me. <laughs> well, that's why I'm glad, to, I'm glad to know. I wasn't sure how you knew. <laughs> really, the Lord said that to you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I told Mitt a long time ago. I called him. I said, listen, I've, I've, I've been in prayer. I, I, 
number one, you're going to win the nomination. Number two, you're going to win the general election. He said, well, what can I do for you? I said, well, give me a seat on the platform. <laughs> Real funny, Pat. Did it come true? Mr. So-called prophet? Not even close. So according to the scripture, what should we do? Shut it off. You're done. Don't ever listen to that source. It is not of God. They spoke from presumptuously. That's even if the, the office is in function today. It's not. But I'm saying the Bible even says even when it was in function, you should be done. Why does anybody still listen to this stuff? Why does anybody listen to that program? Shut it off. Right? Now, Benny Hinn, you're right, Pastor Tom. That was the other one that was there. Okay? And, uh, but Benny Hinn is made, you know, supposed to be a prophet too. He's made all kinds of prophecies. Let's see how his track record is on this next video. Let's take a look at this one. Let's listen to these prophecies and see how many of them he got right. The Spirit of God tells me an earthquake will hit the east coast of America and destroy much in the 90s. Not one place will be safe from earthquakes in the 90s. These who have not known earthquakes will know it. People, I feel the spirit all over me. The economy of the United States of America is going to fall. Many businesses will go bankrupt. The spirit tells me Fidel Castro will die in the nineties. Oh my. The Spirit tells me that the church, once raptured, following the rapture, a woman president will be in the White House. And that woman president will destroy this nation. But my church will, will be gone. My saints will be home. A world dictator is coming on the scene My, he's a short man. He's a short man. I see a short man who's the perfect incarnation of Satan. The Lord also tells me to tell you in the mid-90s, about 94, 95, no later than that, God will destroy the homosexual community of America. But he will not destroy it with what many minds have thought him to be. He will destroy it with fire. Every one of those so-called prophecies from God that supposedly told him to tell us that we need to know was in the 90s. Nothing, not zero. He didn't just get one wrong. He got obviously every single one of them wrong. By the way, he lumped in the rapture in the 90s. Has the rapture happened? Because man, if this is heaven, whew, we're in trouble. <laughs> Are you kidding me? All right, so according to the Word of God, what do we do? Don't you dare call out Betty Hinn. You are so mean-spirited. You're a judge. No! Paul called out Hymenaeus, Alexander, Philetus. John called out Diotrephes. Jesus called out in the public arena the teachers of the law, false teachers of the law, and the Pharisees. Guess what? Run from this guy. 
Shut them off. How does this guy continue to this day? Because Christians continue to send them money. That's why. And because we've been conditioned into a corner, touch not thine anointed. No, I will speak up against a false prophet. Jesus said, watch out. Don't be deceived by these guys in the last days. Now, let me give you another one. This is uh, Mr. Kenneth Copeland. Who, who you're going to see in the second video. I've got two videos of him. The second one, he claims, again, he's a prophet. Right? But watch his behavior. We saw this one uh, several years back, but I want to bring it up to dovetail into the second one. But this so-called prophet of God apparently doesn't have much discernment because he piped in a message of the Pope to his church. If I was here on Sunday and I piped in a private message and had spoke glowingly positively about the Pope, and we need to listen to what he says, and he's wonderful. You're going to even say that he was his hero. All this. What should you do to me? Fire me. Kick me out. ASAP, right? But this guy gets away with it, right? Then a bishop comes up, as you're going to see, and he declares that the Protestant Reformation. Now, what was the Protestant Reformation? 500 years ago, what happened? We broke away from the stranglehold of the Roman Catholic Church that was... Which is not a grace gospel, it's a false gospel, it's a work-based gospel based on the sacraments, okay? And they, find, they were murdered, our brothers and sisters in Christ were murdered and strangled and drowned and skinned alive and burned at the stake. Why? Because we had the audacity to get the Bible into the common person's hand to read it for yourself. And then we're not going to follow a man, we're going to follow sola scriptura, the Bible alone, Christ alone, grace alone. Remember that? Bishop gets up here and says, the Reformation's over. And Kenneth Copeland not only invited him to speak that, but the church applauds. Watch this. Thank you, Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. (laughs) You're going to talk about tonight for a long time. Brother Tony, come on up, would you please? And uh, Tony Palmer, some of you may know... Tony, Tony and I go way back, but he's going he's gonna to be telling you the story. I asked him to come give his testimony, and he's got a special message for us tonight. Forgive me this opportunity to spend a couple of moments introducing to you something really, really special and historic. Dear brothers and sisters, excuse me. Because I speak in Italian. E pregare al Signore perché ci unisca tutti. E avanti, siamo fratelli, ci diamo spiritualmente questo abbraccio e lasciamo che il Signore finisca l'opera che Lui ha incominciato. Perché questo è un miracolo, il miracolo dell'unità è incominciato. Vi chiedo di benedirmi. E io vi benedico. Te fratello a fratello. Un abbraccio. Grazie. This brought an end to the protest of Luther. Brothers and sisters, Luther's protest is over. Is yours. And I get a bit cheeky here because I challenge my Protestant Pastor friends, if there is no more protest, how can there be a Protestant church? Maybe we now we're all Catholics again. 
should have been yanked off the stage, should have never been allowed on that stage, should have never had that message piped in the Pope, false teachings, false teachers in a so-called Protestant church. And it wasn't just that he said that. What was the people sitting under Kenneth Copeland? What was the response to saying the Reformation was over and we're all Catholics now? <laughs> that ain't funny. You, you, you're supposed to be a prophet of God. But you've allowed this false te- It gets even worse than that. Here's an even more recent video. And he talks about Kenneth Copeland. Again, he's going to say he's a prophet of God. right? And that God told him to basically let us know that the Protestant Reformation was a sin. And it was something bad. And it caused major division in the church. And we need to all come together again. Basically, we need to go back to the Catholic Church. Watch this. Now, when you're dealing with what happened 500 years ago, that split got into the hands of wicked spirits in heavenly places for 500 years. What were we called? Protesters. What is a protest? Strive. It's, and the we we hey, we haven't been known for the way we love one another. We've been known for our church fights. I mean, you gotta know that. But that was the big one. And the longer it went the more strength that devil gained. These are wicked spirits in the heavens because it got into governments. It, I mean, hey, this thing is huge, just huge. And I'm sorry to say, most of the church don't know it's over. But they better find out. I'll tell you what. Oh, one of my favorite days in my life was with Pope Francis. What a man. He's one of my heroes. And this is what he's all about. This whole thing. That's one of the things that got me so on fire about it. And I am on fire. I just heard, I heard the Lord say this uh, just two days ago. 2018 is the year of the Holy Ghost and fire. The big 18 in 2018. The nine fruit of the Spirit and the nine gifts of the Spirit. I release by the authority invested in me as a prophet of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I release the Burn the chaff. Burn. Yeah, you're going to burn all right. Pope's your hero. You're saying that a so-called Protestant pastor, that the whole Protestant movement was of the devil, it was a bad thing, and we need to go back to the Roman Catholic Church. But notice, how could anybody fall for that? Because the Protestant Reformation was all about 
getting this book and only this book into the hands of every person so they could be freed from the shackles of religious tyranny and false teaching and a false gospel from Roman Catholicism. Did you hear what he said? This supposed spirit of God movement, Holy Ghost and fire. Right? Remember, you got to quote the King James because that means it sounds more authoritative. No offense to the King James, but that's just that's the game you play. Remember, he's mentioning the what? The gifts. All of them. See, that's the supposed new movement today. All the gifts are in function, including God told me to tell you. See, that's the trap, isn't it? That's how you get people away from this book, even in the Protestant church. And the charismatic movement, unfortunately, has bought into that, and now they're being a big disseminator of false teaching in the last days, right? Now, one big thing, you might hear this, I'm just very quickly, because I've got one more video, but let me get to that first. Some people say, well, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that wasn't good, but these guys keep getting a free pass, just like Bob Jones, just like Benny Hinn, just like Pat Robertson, just like Kenneth Copeland. How do these guys continue? They keep sending them money. What are you doing? Shut them off. But they say, well, see, you don't understand, because in the last days in the book of Joel, God says that he's going to pour out his spirit. Have you ever read the book of Joel? Have you ever read what Joel is talking about? Do you even understand the context and the timing of the book of Joel? It has nothing to do with the church, and it has nothing to do with the days we live in. It has everything to do with the Jewish people in the seven-year tribulation. It's, again, another verse that they rip out of context. They cherry-pick it and say, well, this is why we're having these visions and dreams, and we need to listen to them. It's a special movement of God. No, it's not. It's for the Jewish people. Real quick, let me demonstrate. Read the whole thing when you go home, please. Right? Right? But verse 1, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Where is Zion in the holy hill? It's Israel. It's Jerusalem. And let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. What's the day of the Lord? It starts at the seven-year tribulation and then moves forward. That's the day of the Lord. But it doesn't start until the seven-year tribulation. Verse 10, Before them the earth shakes, the sky trembles, the sun and moon are darkened, the stars no longer shine. What's that? That's events that take place in... The seven-year tribulation. The day of the Lord is great. It's dreadful. Who can endure? Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion. Again, Israel. Verse 23, be glad, O people of Zion. Who's the people of Zion? The Jewish people, right? It, even more specifically, verse 27, then you will know that I am in Israel, right? Is what he, then he goes into the day of the Lord, right? The day of the Lord is for Israel. It's for the Jewish people. It's the seven-year tribulation. Then he says, the verse you keep quoting out of context, verse 28, and I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Who's he talking about? The Jewish people. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And then he goes on to say, I will show wonders in heavens and on earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood. Right? When does that take place? In the seven-year tribulation. Verse 32, on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance. So you can quote that to your blue in the face, and that becomes your panacea as to why this is so... These guys have a right to have a vision from God and tell us, and we need to respond because this is what the Bible said would happen. No, that's for the Jewish people in the seven-year tribulation. You've ripped it completely out of context. But then they might say, well, wait a second. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, that that verse is actually quoted by Peter. And Peter does mention that. But again, Scripture interprets Scripture, and Peter, as a genuine, at that time, apostle of God, isn't going to contradict God. 
Peter mentions that in response to Acts 2 when the church was born as a foretaste of what is to come for the Jewish people in the seven-year tribulation. Why? Because God is not done with the Jewish people. We've been seeing that on Sunday mornings with our prophecy study dealing with the unconditional eternal covenants. Right? That's all he's doing. Right? And it's clearly about the Jewish people. Now, it's gotten so bad, i got just time for one more. So bad. There's no discernment at all, apparently, in this community. Anybody can come up and say that God told me to tell you. And now it's even, I think, going even worse. They're just getting, any, anybody could show up. And they're somehow a prophet. And they get a platform. The guy I'm about to show you is supposed to be a Hindu Christian. And he's one of the latest rages out there now. His name is Sadhu, S-A-D-H-U, if you want to check it out. Uh, Selvage however you pronounce it, S-E-L-V-A-R-A-J. Now, he's supposed to be a Christian, but he looks like a Hindu guru. He dresses like a Hindu guru. But he's basically Christianized Hinduism, but the church, the charismatic community, is accepting this guy verbatim, right? Here's a, a, a recent broadcast of him being promoted on the Jim Baker show, right? But listen to this supposed new prophet, that apparently has a better word than the Word of God in the actual Bible. Well, let's take a look at this guy. You uh, read the prophecy in Revelation 13. Mm-hmm. And you said you know who that is. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Would you tell us? There are two principal characters in Revelation 13. Yes. One is the Antichrist and the other is a false prophet. That's right. Now, there's a lot of debate about the identity of both these two characters. And I didn't want to speculate. I didn't want to play the game like what everybody does, you know. Sure. I was just minding my own business. And a few years ago, I think about four years ago, I was in a conference in Sydney, Australia. And one afternoon, as I was waiting on God, the Lord Jesus appeared to me. Shut them off. Now, that's what you should do. But obviously, I'm not going to share you the whole interview. But you got the, it's, it's the same old routine, isn't it? God told me I had an angel. In this case, Jesus appeared to me. Shut them off. But this guy gets a platform. Oh, and by the way, if you keep letting him spout, he shows his true colors. He's a false prophet, a false teacher. One of the things that he teaches that apparently God told him to tell us, which is contradicting God's word, which makes God to be a liar, which Deuteronomy says what? Get rid of the guy. Okay. Uh, one false doctrine is that dead biblical prophets or saints can actually help Christians achieve God's purposes on earth. We communicate with them. Well, how is that any different than the false teaching of the Roman Catholic Church saying that we need to pray to the dead people, saints, which the Bible forbids? So he's teaching the same false teaching. But it's okay because, well, I didn't say it was saying so-and-so. But, you know, it's a prophet of God mentioned in the Bible, and that makes it okay. No, it's not, right? He also claimed that, quote, the prophet Joel, again, remember the other guy said the prophet Daniel? This guy's saying that the prophet Joel was in our midst, and he, the prophet Joel, you know, the guy that dreamed dreams, vision, which is not even about the church, it's about Israel and the seven-year tribulation. He said that the prophet Joel was in our midst, imparting to him, the Sadhu guy, revelations that he was supposed to tell us. No, I'll just stick with the Bible, right? But again, anybody could show up, and apparently if you put on a you know, Hindu garb and 
you sound Hindu and boy, it's all the rage, right? It's something different. That's a whole new uh, experience, right? Uh, but then he even goes real quick, he even goes into uh, even more false teaching. But what does the word of God tell us? First John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if they, the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. Oh, you're being mean. You're being judgmental. How could you call these people out by name? Because my Bible, the one and only Bible, the one and only word we're supposed to stick with, tells me to do so. To warn people, right? Just real quick, he also says that Christians, we need to pray and fast. Why? In order to self-atone. He would actually teach, I kid you not, that apparently God told him, the prophet Joel told him to tell, from God told him to tell us, whatever, that uh, uh, we need to do that for our day-to-day sins. We need to pray and fast, okay? Because only the original sin was atoned for by the death of the Lord Jesus, Oh, we're just getting started. He also prophesied a new coming dispensation coinciding with the Jewish Yom Kippur, right? Because that's really spiritual when you combine the Jewish festivals, which were for the Jewish people. But he said all this was going to take place back on October 8th, 2011. Tell me if any of you experienced any of these things, right? All members of the church will become a miracle worker. That didn't happen. We got all kinds of stuff we need to be done around here. So <laughs> just talk to the deacons. Uh, he says that you will be seeing angels and you'll be receiving messages from them. No, you shouldn't do that in the first place. He says that even without preaching the word, as soon as people come within the atmosphere of your church, they're going to drop and fall on their knees, put up their hands and cry out to be saved. Did that happen? No. The church will see the spiritual realm. But listen to this. You must believe. Otherwise, you won't see it. Well, that's the see. We didn't have enough faith. That's him, right? No, and, quote, everyone, as of this date, will become prophets, quote, based on Joel 2, 28-29, which is a complete misunderstanding of that text. Double false teaching. And he says you will, quote, even see the Lord Jesus standing beside you. Don't think so. He's made numerous end times doomsday prophecy. He's basically a necromancer. He claims that the Old Testament prophets are actually prophesying through him. He, and he, he said, again, specifically with the prophet Joel is one instance, he says, he's claimed that the Old Testament saints will come back to earth and help with natural disaster and recovery efforts. Because we all know that that FEMA thing just ain't working. They're too slow. It's the government tape. And this guy, he's actually being broadcast on TV. And there's a ton of people, unfortunately, that watch this Jim Baker show. Now, he also talked about his own heaven tourism. The same guy. In which he appeared, I'm not making this up, at a heavenly council with none other than Donald Trump. I guess he better tell President Trump that. He may not have got the memo. Uh, but anyway, and he supposedly hears directly from God. He supposedly has seen God. He's apparently uh, supposedly seen heaven and has supposedly been in heaven. And again, he speaks with the Old Testament prophets. They speak through him and to him. And I like what this one guy says. And, of course, he looks like an Indian guru. So Westerners think that he must be especially tuned to the supernatural. And it sure helps promote the survival food infomercials on Jim Baker's show. Because that's really what's going on here. How do these people get away with it? Because nobody is calling them out. Because even us who know better have been conditioned. Haven't you heard? You shouldn't judge. That's a lie. 
Jesus said, you judge all right, just make a right judgment. Read the Bible. And that right judgment comes from God's word. Right? Not from you, of course not. But when God says no, and when he says to call out, you need to call it out. You make a right judgment. He's a false prophet. This guy, I believe, is a fulfillment leading to what Jesus warned about in Matthew 24. What Before he warned about earthquakes and famines and pestilence and all that stuff, what's the first thing our Lord and Savior warned about? Watch out that no one deceives you. And then we saw the text, false prophets, false Christ, and false visions. And look, he's here. Look over here and this and a vision. But how could anybody fall for that? Because in the last days, another group would arise, even in the church, and say that all these gifts are in function when they're not. They say all the offices are in function when they're not. And unfortunately, Jesus says, I believe that's why many will be deceived. You know why? Because many people are falling for this mindset. It's a false teaching, custom tailored for the last days. But hey, that's just the first gift. Lord willing, next time, we'll actually get into some other gifts. And again, what we believe is not that there's no gifts in function. It's just the question is, which ones are in function for today, right? God can still do miracles. God can heal, whatever. But which gifts are still in function today, biblically? We'll take a look at that, Lord willing, next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, We don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there, Uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, How many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, If you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, You shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. You might say, well, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. 
One more, the Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.